Okay. So for the past several weeks, we've been in a sermon series called Faith Misunderstood. And we've covered a lot of really great topics from the Bible to sin to all kinds of different aspects of faith and how it often gets misunderstood. And here today to continue that sermon series all about grace, here is our kids and family pastor, my friend Caroline Park. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Good to see you. So I happen to spend some time on Facebook on a regular basis. I don't know if you guys do. And these days I see a lot of theological debates on Facebook and other places. Um, People debate about everything on Facebook, it seems. Uh, Politics, lifestyle, parenting, anything. But um, I often notice very heated debates about what to believe about God, what is God's will, how to worship him, and uh, stuff like that. And I'm interested in them. I am a pastor, after all. But sometimes I get a bit tired of it. It makes me wonder if God really cares about it as much as we do. And people have been arguing about God's forever, I guess. Um, Like a few hundred years ago, there was a time when people were killed over uh, whether they believe that the bread and wine at the communion uh, become the actual body and the blood of Jesus. Nowadays, that is not really a big concern. And at our church, on most Sundays, we have the communion in the back for those who would like to take it. And that's not really putting it at the center, in the place of honor and reverence, like some churches do. But we have not been accused of being heretics over this. You probably are not offended by it, seeing that you're here. And I have a feeling that God is also perfectly okay with it. But I wonder why we do this. We have this need to have the right answers, the anxiety about certain things to the extent that we people kill, kill each other for it. And I don't think it's just about wanting to have the answers and showing off that we're, we know better than others. I think we do it because we feel like there is a lot at stake. What if we believe in the wrong things and be completely off track about some important theological point? What if at the end of our life, Jesus says, I never knew you? That's a real fear. Can we somehow fall away from God's grace? And it's not just about the religious belief that such fear could grip us. I grew up in Korea, uh, raised by parents who've experienced the Korean War. So as others in their generation, they have been shaped and formed by their experiences. And it's sort of ingrained in them that they've carried with them all their lives. And one such thing is the frugality, high, high value on frugality. Maybe you have parents like that and can relate to me on that. So spending money is bad. 
it's no, it's not just bad. It's sin to spend money. So, you know, the, there are all these different kinds of things that we were told to do or not do so that we don't waste money. Like one extreme example would be I was taught by my father to how to blow my nose with one tissue as opposed to two tissues. <laughs> you can fold it in half and do it. So, you know, I've internalized this. Um, so spending money can be a loaded topic for me. So years ago, when I was a new mom living in Boston, I had this experience. I found this time to go out by myself. It was a sort of um, alone time that I really wanted and needed. So I went out, spent some time with myself, and then I went for lunch and I went to this kind of like a small mall where there were two choices of, you know, dining. One is the food court, and the other was my, our family's favorite Japanese restaurant. And I wanted to eat at the Japanese restaurant. But it seemed like a luxury, a waste of money, especially when I'm eating alone. Food court, cheaper, not, just not as good. So I debated for a while, but I went against my internal guilt and chose to eat at the restaurant. So I ordered the food, food came out, was happy, took my first bite, and a tooth filling came out. Right? You know that feeling. And my immediate thought was, oh, it's because I'm eating here. And you laugh, but this thought came so fast before I could even think that it must be have been some my some internal subconscious way of looking at life. It came so fast and so strong that day I realized there's something wrong about the way I look at the world, look at my choices and myself. Look at God. See, here I was one moment having a lovely time, enjoying myself and feeling close to God. And the next moment, I felt like I was being punished for my wrongs and I have fallen out of his favor. When in reality, I hadn't really done anything of any significance. I was exactly the same person before and after. Can you relate to this feeling that sometimes you get in, in your gut that you've messed up and it's over? You have fallen out of God's grace. But is that really possible? Can we fall away from God's grace? That's the question I'd like to spend some time talking about today because how we answer this question has a great impact on our life. It's not just a theoretical, theological debate, but that it is about the way we live, how we see ourselves, and how we engage with others and the world. So falling out of or away from God's grace 
It's a phrase we hear sometimes, right? Um, when you hear this phrase, what do you think of? It's often used to describe a situation when you make a mistake, you make a wrong choice, or sin, fail to follow God's intention properly, and you fall out of the good terms you're on with God, and there will be consequences, right? That's how we often use the phrase. And where is that phrase even from? Is it from the Bible? Surprisingly, yes, it is from the Bible. And it comes up once in that exact wording. It's, it's from the Galatians. The Galatians is a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the Gentile Christians in Galatia. So there were Christian, uh, Jewish Christians uh, at first, when Christianity first started, everyone was Jewish. But as it spread, it um, more and more Gentiles, non-Jews, became Christians. So in the in the church, there was this tension between different cultures. The Jewish Christians who grew up Jewish, observing the Bible um, and lear- learning what it means to follow God is to follow the law. They believed that, yes, Gentiles could become Christian, but they also have to follow the law if they want to become Christian. In particular, they will have to be circumcised because that's what the Bible says. The circumcision was the hot topic back then. But now Paul, who was the missionary to the Gentiles, felt differently. So he is writing a letter to the Christians, Gentile Christians in Galatia to explain what's what. And he says this in his letter. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, You must obey every regulation in the whole whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus... There's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. So that is where the phrase is used in the Bible, falling away from God's grace. And what Paul says here is really interesting. He's warning the Gentile Christians, that if you keep the rules from the Bible to earn favor from God, if you keep certain rules so God would approve of you, then you have been cut off from Jesus. You have fallen away from God's grace. That's some very strong statements. And this is very different from how the phrase is commonly used The phrase falling away from God's grace is used when somebody messes up, 
sin, break some important rules, and they lose God's favor because of that, or God turns his back on them, or somehow they're out of reach of God's grace. How Paul originally used this phrase in this letter means the complete opposite. It's saying if you live by the rules and the law to be in God's grace, then you have fallen away from God's grace. So it is not the breaking of the rules that's the problem, but it is the keeping of the rules for God's grace is the problem. Isn't that fascinating? According to Paul here, the only way to fall away from God's grace is when you opt out of the system of grace by opting into the system of merit and reward. He's saying that we can't play it both ways. We can't receive God's love and life for free by his grace And then turn around and say, that is because we are better than others. If we do that, we're nullifying God's grace that got us there, aren't we? We're saying that somehow we're more special and more godly, and because of that, we have God's grace, which is not grace at all. Because when it becomes conditional based on how we behave and what we believe, it is, then it is reward, not grace. Grace, by definition, is universal because it is given without merit, without condition, for free. As long as we lean on God's grace and love, unconditional love and grace, we can never fall out of his grace. Isn't that amazing? That's why we call it the amazing grace. But often this is not how we understand God's grace. We feel that we can easily wander out of God's grace knowingly or even unknowingly. By making mistakes, giving into temptations, choosing a wrong path or believing a wrong thing because we couldn't perfectly figure out God's intention, which we never can. This surely doesn't feel like grace anymore. It is anxiety and fear-inducing. The passage we just read says that our faith needs to express itself in love. But with this kind of fear and anxiety, How can our faith be expressed in love? It will instead lead to shame and guilt, and it will lead others to shame and guilt. For our faith to be able to express itself in love, we first need to receive God's unconditional love, love that we don't deserve, love that Fill us and sustain us at all times so that we don't have to be afraid. And when we receive that love that way, then 
we can respond in love toward God, and respond in love toward others. You might be wondering, how about those passages where Jesus? It says Jesus, the only way. Well, this is the only way. Resting in that vast, inexhaustible grace of God that covers everything is what it means to have faith in Jesus. That He came to cover it all for us. That He's come. So that we can go to God as we are, wherever we're at, and receive from Him. It is not God who demands us to behave so we can stay in His grace. It is our tendency to be always drawing these boundaries, even boundaries around God's grace. We divide between good and bad, holy and unholy, blessed and damned, condemned, and where God's grace ends. And this is what the story of Adam and Eve tells us about the human nature. They chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life, which we're told is the original sin. But we misunderstand the story. Often we think that Adam and Eve breaking the rule and disobeying God is the original sin. It is not. The original sin is that they chose to receive their worth from judging good and bad, and drawing fences around what is worthy and what is not. Eating from the tree symbolizes this choice. Not their disobedience, and what Paul is saying through today's passage is that whenever we draw fences around us to define what makes us worthy or not, acceptable or not, godly or not, favored by God or not, whenever we do that, we will always find God outside of those fences. We may find ourselves in them, and we may feel good about that. But God will not be in it with us. We will be cutting ourselves from Christ. We will have fallen away from God's grace. There are no fences in God's grace. It is boundless and inexhaustible. It is only when we insist that God's grace be limited to those only those we deem worthy, we find ourselves outside of that grace. And this misunderstanding of God's grace hugely impact the way we live, the way we see ourselves, the way we interact with others. I recently saw this meme on Facebook. As I say, I spent some time on Facebook. If the Earth was flat, cats would have pushed everything off it by now. I thought it was funny, <laughs> but it also made me think about the mindset people must have had when they believed that the Earth was flat. If the Earth was flat, then 
when you travel far enough, you will fall off the cliff and die. The unknown out there is dangerous and to stay away from. And in the same way, if we believed that God's grace is conditional upon our good behavior and good beliefs, and we can wander out of it even when we don't intend to, it would affect our life choices, don't you think? We will focus on staying inside of this elusive line. When people came to understand and believe that the world, in fact, is round, which took a bit of convincing, and that by traveling farther and farther, you will not only not fall into some abyss, but also that you can come back home eventually. Can you imagine that the difference it must have made in people's psyche? The same shift in our mentality happens when we can see and truly understand that God's grace never runs out. That wherever we go, he will be there with us, as it says in Psalm 139. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. We love this psalm. It's often quoted psalm. But are we understanding what it's really saying? If we really understand this, if we really persuade our hearts and minds and body, that the truth that God's grace is boundless, that it will follow us anywhere, how would it change us? How would it change the way we live? It would make us more adventurous, don't you think? Open-minded, curious. It would make us quicker to enjoy the goodness of life, quicker to laugh. It would help us take ourselves not so seriously. We would worry less about getting things wrong, uh, getting things wrong, we would perhaps argue less about what's the right theology and what's the right way to worship God. We've been on the sermon series at the river called The Faith Misunderstood, where we've been examining our assumptions about topics like the Bible, the sin. So faith can be life-giving to everyone always. It's been a great series and many of us feel that it has been very helpful, but also at times feel anxious and nervous about challenging the deeply ingrained beliefs and assumptions. If we really live in God's boundless grace for us, 
wherever we are and whoever we are. Then we'll feel less worried and stressed about venturing into the new territory in faith. We'll be less concerned about getting it perfectly right the first time. Less concerned about avoiding sin. God's grace is not something that switches off when we somehow start to entertain wrong theology. It would free us also from the burden of having to make the right decision at every turn in our life. I often see people, myself included, especially Christians, feeling this incredible and impossible burden to perfectly discern God's will and guidance and follow them exactly when they have to make some important decisions. And those decisions are numerous. Where to live, where to go to school, where to work, what career will I have, who to marry, who to date, how will I raise our children? So needing to follow God's guidance perfectly in all of these decisions so we don't inadvertently fall away from God's grace and be punished becomes such a stressful way to live. And every time when things don't go well, we wonder if we made the wrong choice somehow and fell out of favor with God. We ask, did I hear him right? How will I get it right the next time? Did God fail to guide me? So instead of failures and disappointments being part of our everyday life that we need to work through, they become the crisis that can wreck us. But if we really know that God's grace is boundless, then we don't have to take every decision as life and death. We can take ourselves a little more lightly and enjoy life. And ironically, this way, we continue, we can continue on with God's guidance and explore life with him next to us. It becomes the part of journey. Instead of thinking that we're set once we make that perfect decision. Our view on God's grace also affect the way we interact with others and with the world. When we think that that God's grace has boundaries that we can fall away from, then the natural conclusion is that some people are in God's grace and others are not. And this creates this wall in relationships where it's hard to really enjoy each other or learn and receive from each other. I've recently heard a very powerful story about this very dynamic. So I've invited Kwok here to share with us his story today. So please welcome Kwok. Morning, everyone. Um, so 
I should do a little better. It's my second run, so uh, here we go. Uh, I grew up in a conservative Chinese evangelist church in Chinatown, New York. I was born and raised here. Uh, I knew it wasn't a place for me. I never really connected with that church, um, but I didn't realize there was a choice. And I followed the crowd, took the Bible rules, the laws to heart. It caused me to be self-conscious, guilt-ridden, and filled with shame growing up as a teen and young adult. I am now married uh, to my wife, Sam. Uh, she's not here right now, uh, with two kids. And being with her didn't improve my self-inflicted internal torment, and ultimately impacted our relationship. Sam did not grow up being a Christian. Uh, between us, all mention of religious beliefs and viewpoints were limited. And when they were raised, it was like walking on eggshells. I felt that someone who called himself a Christian should have all the answers. I didn't have the answers, and it left me with more confusion and guilt. How was I to be a mascot for faith if I didn't know who I was? As a result, we only went to church when our friends, a third party, invited us, which is always during Christmas. For 10 years, I asked God to make his presence known to Sam so she would come to know faith too. But it was my own misguided faith that caused me to be blinded to God's already answered prayers. Since the river, I've come to realize that faith is a personal journey. And everyone has a unique origin story. Like every superhero in comics, like the one we just saw this weekend, Wonder Woman, um, Sam, is, Sam is no different. So her story is as follows. She's always had a strong connection with God. She grew up Buddhist in a Cambodian culture. So it wasn't faith directly with Jesus, but a strong connection to a higher power, communicating and providing a shoulder to her to lean on when she needed it consciously or not. Since I've known her, she never once questioned if there was a higher power, but relied on the inner gut feelings and lucid dreams she received occasionally to connect with God. The higher power never had a name, but Sam knew she was loved, cared for, and always watched over. But in my misguided viewpoint, I felt that there was a set process to how could someone come to know and gain faith. The belief hardened my heart about what was right and wrong, which deeply impacted my relationship with Sam. As a result, Christianity was presented to Sam as a cult-like following, filled with crazy views, rules and laws that we all have heard um, parts of our lives at some point. You're going to hell if you don't believe in X or Y. You're a sinner for pretty much everything, was what resonated to her. I never introduced Sam to the love of Jesus because I didn't know the extent of it myself. It's really a surprise she even stuck with me. Um, just to put in context, next year will be our 10-year anniversary of marriage, and the following year will be 20 years. So she really has stuck with me. Uh, the unsaid agreement between us was that we never spoke about Christianity in our relationship. To Sam, it felt like pressure to be Christian rather than introduction to Jesus. Looking back, I can't blame her for taking that stance, and who wouldn't? Thus, I never thought I would see this following. We took a chance to go into Seek 101 about three years ago by the river 
uh, via a friend, again, a third party. The same people who invited us every year for Christmas. Uh, the tagline was curious but skeptical. Over the weeks of attending the workshop, a connection and reboot of what faith began to bloom in both of us with different perspectives and speeds of understanding. We began to talk about God and the connection started to take flight. She was the first to encourage me to go to Sunday service again and started to suggest we should attend regularly. It was then I realized her faith in God was stronger than mine and I was, and it was always there. It was I who needed to seek and it was I who needed to learn from her. Today, Sam is my lighthouse in faith. She never ceased to surprise me. For example, when I told her Caroline asked me to speak on Sunday, it would be recorded, and I told Sam my worries and anxieties. Sharing this is not, it's new for me. Uh, she simply said that I should be proud to share and be an impact to others on faith, period. So here I am sharing. Thank you. Thank you, Kak. Isn't that great? You see God working in that relationship. When we see God's grace as having limits, however good and reasonable those limits may be, so that some are in and some are out, then we're once again drawing boundary lines around God's grace, and we end up outside of them. We end up on the other side from God. We miss out on the amazing grace of God and what he's doing for our neighbor, for our friend, for our spouse, or whoever that we feel falls outside of God's grace. We're disconnected from God, and we're disconnected from others, which is the opposite of our faith expressing itself in love. The amazing thing about love and connection is that it not only is the fruit and the expression of our faith, but also that it strengthens our faith. Like Kwok shared, when they were able to connect in the area of faith with each other, which they hadn't been able to in the past. That connection itself brought life in their relationship and strengthened both of their faith. Isn't that beautiful? It is tragic that sometimes our misunderstanding of faith and God's grace cuts us off from genuine connections to others, to the world around us. We get too concerned about not wandering out of God's grace, that we miss out on the opportunities to experience this abundant and generous grace that is for all. The human tragedy is that we try so hard to be separate, to be different, to be more special, so we are called worthy. When we're connected, when we, uh, when in fact, we receive the most. 
We experience the depth of our own worthiness and preciousness when we're connected to the rest of the world, when we truly belong, because that is where God's grace is. There is room for everyone in God's grace. So as I wrap up the talk today, um, instead of a practical suggestions, I want to leave you guys with some questions to ponder. How do you see God's grace? Is it boundless, inexhaustible expanse that God says it is? Or it is limited and narrow? And if you were to really embrace God's grace as boundless, how would it change the way you live? How would it change the way you love others? So as we end this talk, I would like to end with an exercise by taking a moment to connect with God and his grace for us. So if you will, Close your eyes and let's relax. You can breathe deep. And imagine God's presence and grace filling up this room everywhere. And his presence and grace filling up the whole world. Imagine yourself being held by this grace that is all around you. There's no way to fall out of it because everywhere is his presence. Everywhere is his grace. So imagine this grace on you, others in this room, your children, your family, people outside, strangers. And let's stay in this space for a few minutes. <laughs> 